listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 469. My name's Dave, joined as always by my co-host Wayne as we continue our look at the Amazon Prime video series Outer Range. It's not really a mid-season finale. It certainly didn't have that feel, but it is the midpoint in season one. So Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I guess each episode is kind of ended with some kind of, you know, big event. Yes. Yes. So... so uh, yeah, but how are you doing? Well, um, the reason, one of the reasons we uh, are recording earlier is because I have a lot more time on my hands because I contracted COVID, which is, I, I don't know if it's funny is the word, but we recorded on uh, a couple of days ago on Sunday, and I was telling you how we was going to go to my buddies for 4th of July and... Then uh, we were going to go to Virginia Beach with my daughter and everything. And, you know, that night I'd felt like a little stuffy, had just like congestion, you know, nothing major, but enough that, okay, before I go hang out with my friends and their kids and stuff, you know, I'm just going to go, I'm going to take a test. You know, I don't feel really bad, but I am a little congested. I wasn't before. So I went down, took the test and the two lines showed up and I was just like, Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, so it was up to my you know, bedroom for the next uh, couple of days. My, my actually it's just my wife and my and my sons here. Uh each of them packed up and split right away. <laughs> uh after they tested negative, they went and they're staying with friends and then um you know, my wife was here for a couple of days and then she took went got my daughter from camp and took her to uh Virginia Beach for a field hockey tournament. Which is actually kind of good because now once she left, I'm the only one in the house now. So I could leave the bedroom and I could uh, go downstairs and watch, catch up on all my shows on our on our nice TV rather than the one in, the one in our bedroom is okay, but uh, the big one's downstairs and everything. And get out of the room and be able to sit in chairs and not just stay in bed all the time, yeah. so... Yeah. Oh, nice. So if uh, if you if you ever decide you want to contract COVID, I would not recommend it. Um, though, uh, like I said, the the symptoms for me were were pretty minor, just some achiness and congestion for a couple of days, and then those have gone away. And so now I'm just left with uh, quarantining. Yeah. Well, you messaged me, and, and then uh, I said to Mary, "Geez, I hope." Wayne didn't give me COVID, so uh, I went and did a test, and she said, I don't think you can get it through the internet. No. But. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe you can, but it's best to test to make sure. <laughs> anyway, well, I'm glad you're feeling better, so, uh, you know, that's that's definitely cool. Why don't we throw it over to you for what you're watching this week, since uh, your list may be long, so I'll let you abbreviate <laughs> it a bit. Well, I've definitely been able to catch up. On uh, on some shows I've wanted to to watch for a while now, and I've been mean to. Um, well, first of all, I've been able to watch a lot more baseball. How about them O's, Dave? Huh? Yeah, man. I it's, I know you had time on your hands because you kept posting stuff when you almost never post. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like nothing else to do. I'm like, uh, nah, all right. Yeah, the O's one. All right, I'll put something on Facebook about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so yeah so I've I've, I've watched uh, a little bit of at least each game the last couple of days which has been great. I finally uh, finished season six of Peaky Blinders and that show is just fabulous. I mean that that show is just an all out 
great show. You know, especially if you liked, you know, like the, I, I was just watching, I don't know if it's, I probably have thought about this before, but there's so much like The Godfather, you know, like Tommy Shelby is, is definitely a Michael Corleone figure. He's always like a step ahead of his enemies and, and he's kind of ruthless and everything. Um, and then trying to balance that with like, you know, some semblance of a, a personal life and everything. Fabulous show. Uh, Killian Murphy is just an absolutely outstanding actor. He's one of my faves, and uh, you know he, he just he he rules. Uh, so this is the last full season, I believe, of Peaky Blinders. I think they're going to make a a movie, and which would go with the uh, the Community template of six seasons in a movie. So uh, you know, looking forward to that, but. Uh, will be bummed when it's all done for Peaky Blinders. Though I hear that they are, um, there's some kind of, uh, sh- uh, you know, offshoot type thing uh, happening. So we'll see. Um, the other show that I caught up on yesterday was Tehran on uh, Apple Plus. I'd seen season one, watched that uh, maybe a couple months ago, I think. Great show, spy thriller, um, a Mossad agent uh is uh doing an operation in iran and she gets trapped there season one's her trying to get out and then season two is her pulling off another operation while again trying to get out of iran and it takes place pretty much i think immediately after uh season one took place but uh again really good action uh suspense character sorry that's the dog and uh you know just a a lot of twists and turns and I, I, you know, kind of like the fugitive every week, you know, every episode I should say um, has some other tight situation that she has to get out of and everything. Really cool. Highly recommend uh, both of those shows. All right. Well, I am still continuing with manifest. I am in season two, getting ready to watch episode six, which is about the midpoint, I believe for season two. And you know, though I'm still into it i i generally watch about one episode every other day and you know it's got that trope of the shadow government bad guys that uh is kind of trying my patience at this point but there's so many themes that they're exploring with the different characters that is still pretty compelling because they're they're, they're using this this idea that there is a portion of the population that views these people that disappeared for five and a half years and returned without aging that, that they are special in, in some way. And, and they're referred to as the returned. And, and, you know, it's almost like this religious fervor around them. And so it's pretty interesting, uh, you know, it follows the one family where some of the family are, you know, the returned and some were, left to pick up the pieces when you know the rest of their family disappeared for five and a half years so still digging that and then the other thing i mentioned last week my wife and i started this dutch suspense thriller called the adulterer or overspell in in dutch and we're going to watch the season one finale tonight so thought it was going to be one thing thought it was going to be one of these erotic thrillers and you know it was for a few episodes though yeah the camera whoever was running the camera didn't know when to tilt it up or down <laughs> but whatever um and and we ended up getting this show 
through our PBS addition to Amazon Prime Video. So uh, I'm not sure now who may, like I said, it's a Dutch show, but it's really good. So there are three seasons, so we're getting ready to finish season one tonight. So still digging that. Okay. All right. Anyway, why don't we get to Outer Range, episode four titled The Loss, written by Brian Watkins and Lucy Thurber, directed once again by Jennifer Gensinger. This one was released on April 22nd, 2022, along with episode three. You know, one of the things I was thinking about with this show is obviously we've got the sci-fi element of the whole and, you know, very little specific details as to what it is. And I think it's easy to get caught up, I guess, negatively in the murder investigation and, you know, Sheriff Joy coming and interrogating the Abbott family and all of that. But I I guess I always then go back to the sci-fi element because we know Royal is using the whole as a means of disposing whatever evidence he can to you know, cover up for his kids. Right. Badly, though. Well, yeah, badly. I mean, obviously, that's the one aspect we don't know. Just because you throw something yeah. in obviously doesn't mean it's going right, to stay. Right. Well, and it's, you know, I mean, this uh, a theme that's as old as storytelling itself, you know, like most notably Macbeth, that you can't hide murder, you know, that, that something like that is going to find its way out uh, one way or another, and in this case, the the body literally pops up. You know, right? And uh, you know, I'm glad you brought Macbeth up because uh, obviously, in Macbeth, it, it, you know what what comes out is this psychological and emotional degeneration that then you know it, it brings everything to the light. We don't see that yet out of Royal. No, we might uh, never if, see if it. it. And we might never because it seems as if he keeps getting stronger. And we really haven't talked about Royal Abbott as an anti-hero. Or a straight-up villain. Or a straight-up villain. I mean, uh, you know, and, and that's, again, one one of the beauties of storytelling, that, that the writers don't have to pigeonhole the character into any, you know, traditional yeah, role. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with Royal Abbott, you have one complex dude right there and uh and certainly yeah. pigeonhole is definitely something they are not doing with him that's for sure yeah i mean he has n- none of the traditional heroic values except perhaps bravery um but you know any of his brave you know examples really then go back to you know the 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 evil right aspects of of what he's doing which can't ignore oh, which is, again so, Macbeth, right i like yeah you know sure. that's whenever you teach Macbeth, one of the first things you say is well Macbeth has a lot of heroic qualities things that we consider heroic as does royal abbott but then on the other hand he's the bad guy but yet we root for him though right like you know like yeah. even though he's done all these terrible things like at least me, I'm still kind of pulling for him every time I read Macbeth. You know, I'm like, it's uh, so it, I think in the same way, like, I think it's kind of like that same thing with Royal. You know, he has a lot of typically heroic qualities, but yet he also has some villainous qualities. Uh, and despite the bad things that he's done, 
were still kind of low-key pulling for him. Right. And certainly to a lesser extent, we see those out of his sons. I think at this point, maybe even Perry more than than Rhett. Uh, you know, of course, Amy and Cecilia, you know, are, are you know, pure at this point. But I guess the other thing that lets us continue to root for Royal, as you said, despite what we know about him, is that you know, the antagonist in, in the story is Wayne Tillerson. And we don't really see a lot of him, but, you know, what we see is not necessarily good. We know he's uh, deceitful. We know he's trying to cheat the abbots out of part of their land. We don't really know. You know, when he goes to see his lawyer a couple episodes back and the lawyer's got all those uh, maps out and his lawyer seems to indicate that, well, you know, they could have a point but they never lose, so why don't you just settle? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't really know if he's stealing the land, but but again, we've talked about it before. Darkness just pervades virtually every scene in the show. And I know Fred mentioned, oh gosh, probably a couple years now that, that and I don't even remember what show it was, that the screen caps I was using in the blog posts always seemed mm-hmm. dark. And, you know, I mean, he was right, but they they were dark in the show. And I ended up lightening up, lightening some of them up a bit because, yeah, I agree with Fred. It just just kind of looked better. But, you know, here now, granted, they have enough outdoor scenes that we can get away from that. But it's meaningful, as as we've said in the past, that that they're always sitting in the dark. And, and, you know, we go down that path that, well, they're in the dark about so many things. Yeah. But what about Wayne and what it appears to be saying the, the the show is that he knows the whole exists. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We get seemingly. Yeah. I mean, we assume those are his boots next to the hole. We don't really know for sure, but the way the, the, the scene transpires, it, it seems as if he's, pretty sure that it exists that he saw it in his youth and then like as we've said a number of times it clearly closes and reopens you know is there a pattern is it one of these things every 33 years right. something <laughs> something happens but and, and the fact that he knows the rock is related to the hole i guess <laughs> i mean yeah well i mean that's that's the thing like what is the connection with the hole and and these rocks. I mean, we've seen um, Autumn also collecting rocks as well, and we see Royal picking up something that kind of looks like coal from the from where um, Trev's body landed. So you know, there's there's definitely some kind of connection. You know, why this rock would cause Wayne to dance around like that? That's just weird. But uh, but yeah, there's there's something there between the actual the geology that's going on here and the uh, the sci-fi that's going on. Yeah, and, and of course the mountain becomes much more of a player in this episode. I mean, we we you know we had the the points where people were reporting that the mountain disappeared and then reappeared, and of course we saw it ourselves. Um, so that appears to actually really have happened. You know, are the mountain and the hole related? I would think 
unequivocally yes we don't know how and and, and then these rocks are are the rocks related to the mountain one would think but you know that scene where the his field hand brings in the rock it's like well okay number one what struck the field hand about that rock right that he thought to bring it yeah, to yeah, right. Wayne. Unless he's so, been told to be on the lookout for something like that. Yeah. Well, well, right. I, and I guess that's really the, uh, you know, the only thing, you know, we talk about the, the people being in the dark and I, I, th- I think it's pretty clear at this point, Royal's hiding more than the hole from his wife, Cecilia, yeah. but, um, what that is, is well, unclear. And we've talked about, there seems to be a connection between Wayne and Royal that, you know, goes way back to the child. I mean, we, we know Royal was basically raised on this ranch from the age of nine or so. And, you know, how long Wayne's family owned has owned it. I, I assume it roughly the same amount of time. Yeah. Well, uh, Scott figured it out right the other week. Oh, right, right. It's four years yeah, apart. Yeah, since or, like the 19th century. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that and, and that whole that that great scene where Cecilia's just basically had enough of her husband's secrecy. And, you know, we see the Abbott family literally falling apart. I mean, Rhett thinks Perry outed him. You know, Royal is telling one lie after another. It's just really uh, the family's imploding to the to the point where I don't know, you know, Rhett does seem to be basically a good guy who is caught up in this effed up family and why he never left, you know, after high school. Well, I guess probably was, I would assume he probably was made to feel guilty if, if that even came up at the time, but that sense of obligation and geez, I mean, if, if Perry was staying and well, okay, it's not like everybody abandoned the parents and I'm, you know, Jesus, again, it's not like the his father would have been, you know, what, 40, 45 yeah. or something, you know. So. Well, yeah, and, and that's the interesting thing because we have, like, another character in Maria who seems like she had, has, slash had options as well, but who also does not leave, you know. So, I mean, there's something to that, I guess, like, kind of like a statement about especially oftentimes small town life that 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 comfort and that familiarity i you know is something that that for a lot of people is you know attractive i guess you know yeah sure um so you know we talked a little bit about the opening scene where we get the you know the the overlay of nine months ago and you know when one of wayne's field hands comes in with that rock it's the rock we've seen before, obviously, and that's where we get that that shot of the hole flashing and implying that he's seen it before. He clearly understands the significance and importance of the rock, so we we still don't know what it is. I mean, you know what what we saw previously. You know, is it? I mean, we've seen examples of amber with insects from literally millions of years ago trapped inside i mean right isn't that the whole premise of jurassic park they yeah they crack open amber and get the the, the, the dna from DNA. Out of a, uh, a mosquito right so uh right and then but it's also there. a big theme in slaughterhouse five 
you know, where the Tralfamadorians who see all of time at once compare human perception to uh, a fly trapped in amber. Oh, God, I forgot yeah. about that. So there is yeah, something about that as well, you know, like kind of idea of being, you know, trapped and encased or whatever, stuck in the moment. Oh, okay. Oh, oh I like it because then it goes to what's happening with uh, certainly with the Abbott family. But I guess, again, the big reveal is that somebody besides Royal and Autumn know about the whole. So, you know, then it begs the question, has Wayne been periodically driving out to the West Pasture to right, look right. over, you know, how many years? Yeah. I mean, you know, we get the idea it's been maybe decades since this whole open. Because as we said before, look, if it was open, you'd like to think Royal or one of his sons would have seen it, which clearly they have not. But uh, Big Rock Candy Mountain. There aren't many songs I hate more than that, but <laughs> never a Burl Ives fan, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, but, um, a, a different version of it was in, I don't know if you've ever seen Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I have, yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So it's on the uh, the soundtrack of that, but not the Burl Ives version. I can't remember who sang it for the, the soundtrack for that movie, but yeah. And, you know, I had to you know, do a little bit of research that, that, you know, you mentioned, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? So, you know, it is a song that originated within the hobo lifestyle. But, you know, I I guess in this context, Big Rock Candy Mountain, you know, on the surface is is a a song about paradise that that these hobos who, you know, literally have nothing fantasize about. And we've talked about, all right, what is this hole? Is it a portal between, you know, the the here and now and heaven? Is it the future? Is it the past? Is it an alternate? You know, we don't really know, but it's almost like this song coupled with the the religious, um, you know, ideas that, that have been thrown around mostly through Cecilia. Are we to think that through the hole is heaven? I mean, I would say no, based on the, yeah, from, the scene with Royal. From what we and, saw right didn't didn't seem like heaven very much. Right, people were really upset there, and you think people are supposed to be happy in heaven. So right, but you know, this is a scene where where uh, Royal's taking the sheriff out to where where uh, the body was found, and you know, the you know the mountains in the background looming in the distance. <laughs> it was great. She notes the busted fence. Ought to send him a bill. Yeah, maybe wait till after the funeral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's clear that Joy and the deputy find the circumstances suspicious. And, and w- I don't know that this came up when, uh, you know, it was presented before. There, there, you know, there's no evidence of somebody dragging the body there. And the whole idea is like, okay, well, how did it get here? Right. And it's on Bureau of Land Management land. So there must be like a buffer zone, you know, either in between the two ranches or, you know, on the periphery, I guess it doesn't matter, but yeah, how it got there as opposed to the hole, which is in his West pasture. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and for, it, it is perplexing for joy because like, yeah, like a is okay. How did it, I mean, how did he die? Well, okay. That, looks like he got his windpipe crushed okay so how did the body 
get here, you know, with no evidence at all of, of the either the body being dragged or of, you know, any tires or footprints or anything approaching the body. Um, and then, you know, at the coroner's report saying that he'd only been dead like 10 hours. Right. Yep. Now, that fits in with what we know, uh, you know, about Royal's experience over there, or, you know, or or does it? We don't really necessarily have any kind of sense of time other than I think it was in the first episode when it appeared that Royal's first contact with the hole caused him to lose two hours of time. Right. But other than that. You, you know, we, we don't have an explanation for it. So yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, there's that bit. You know, but two hours is not 10 hours. And he's been out there, I think, what'd they say, eight days? No, I can't remember. Eight, I think they say eight days he's been yeah. missing. Yeah, so yeah. again, just, just adds to the mystery for sure. But um, it could have been 10 hours from when the mountain disappeared to when Amy found him, you know? Yeah. Now, I mean, Sheriff Joy, I mean, you, you talk about the the characters that you're really drawn to that you really are rooting for on the one hand we're, we're we're not rooting for her to figure out that the abbots killed trevor you know as you said last time did he deserve to get his ass kicked royally yes absolutely did he deserve to die no of course not right you know that, that scene where she's questioning the whole family and and she's really questioning amy and while she tells Royal and Cecilia basically to shut the F up, I'm a little surprised she didn't just say, you know, let me just question Amy and her dad can be here. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it was clear. And, and look, Joy's pretty sharp. So when they start bringing up banana bread and but it's like, it's like, okay, how, how can we, you know, confuse the issue. How can right. we, you know, or, or just kind of like you know, awkwardly distract or whatever. Yeah. Right. In in current American, uh, you know, political terms, it's like any time you know, um, you, you want to obfuscate. Well, Hunter's laptop. Well, okay, but we've got bigger things. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, yeah. Well, I, I I love how I mean, not that she made this up. I assume that she's right, but she says I'm allergic to bananas, and they're like, "You're allergic to bananas?" Like, and I'm like, "Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard that one either." But you know, obviously, there's allergies to loads of stuff. Yeah. So now I guess we got to watch out for Royal and whether he's you know gonna try. I mean, seriously, yeah. what whether he's going to try something to take her out of the picture because it's clear. She is suspicious of the Abbott family, and, and rightly so. And, of course, they know the truth. But then when she's walking to her car and he goes out with her and she mentions about the calls about the disappearing mountain that's that's clearly either close to or on his property. We get that great visual as they're talking. Then asks, did you take something from my office? Huh? Yeah. What? Yeah, right. <laughs> Why you, you missing something? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Royal is, and we're going to see him play poker later. I mean, he's got that great poker face. Like he doesn't react at all. Like she's obviously looking for a reaction from him, um, much as Patricia is looking for a reaction from one of the Abbots at uh, at Trev's funeral. But he he doesn't blink. Well, I'm sure he did blink, but you know, like he doesn't flinch at all he just is like 
I don't know. Like, what are you talking about? What are you missing and everything? Um, and then later has the cheek to bring it back up to her. You know, it's like something where she knows he took the belt buckle, and obviously he knows he took the belt buckle. But, you know, and later on the bar, he's like, did you find what you're looking for? You know, like, all right, well, that's, you know, that's kind of an arrogant move there, you know, to to, to bring that up. Now, not that she could even, like, Matt, the deputy Matt, who, by the way, was in uh, Our Flag Means Death, great show. But Matt says, you know, you shouldn't put evidence in your drawer, but it's really not evidence because it's completely inadmissible. It was just given to her. And there's there's no way for her to, you know, even though that was Rhett's blood on it, there, there's no way that she'd actually be able to use that in court. Um, so it's not 100% evidence, you know. Well, yeah. And, and you know, on the one hand, the, the arrogance that you're referring to, he, he knows she didn't find it. But right. can he really say that with unequivocal confidence given that he thought she would never find trevor's body either and yeah you know but still uh, a body's not a belt buckle and uh, you know if a belt buckle turned up in the woods somewhere is she gonna find it is she even gonna think to look for it there so you know i think he's fairly safe in saying that but the, but the lies just keep compounding and we get that maria and rhett like each other and we get that Rhett didn't kill Trevor. Now, granted, he's complicit in the cover-up. Sure. Which, you know, in and of itself is a pretty serious crime. But I don't know. I'm a little surprised that a smart young woman like her, who obviously must sense that something is up here, she knows that Trevor's been missing, why she would lie. You yeah, know, well, when, that's a good question. Except to just you know, in in the moment, I mean, Matt is really ham fisted at his job here. You know, like like he forbidding him to answer his phone. Like, dude, wh- are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm gonna have to ask you to not not to answer that phone. It's like my brother's calling me. Like, you can't stop me from answering my phone. So just it, it, you know, in the moment uh, with his poor ham-fisted technique of of questioning and you know she's just basically stepping up for a friend in in the moment and of course uh but when confronted with the you know as joy lays out what the potential consequences for her could be then she you know she rats him out in a second yeah now we don't hear sheriff joy say it but we kind of watch as wayne wales obviously having been told that trevor's dead and he's Looks like he's wearing. He, I, we assume that he's naked, except oh, he's naked, except for wearing that animal skin as he's talking to the buffalo head, and then of course he drops the skin. So again, we yeah, we, we got we got. See, this is the thing. You know, you might have been excited to see at the beginning of this episode there's going to be nudity in it, but we didn't realize it was going to be will Patton's butt crack that was going to be the nudity that we were going to see but that's what we got yeah and again we we have no idea what to really make of him i mean has he devolved into this conspiracy kind of fantasy land that that has caused him to go off the the deep end here i mean i guess if you 
know about this hole. Again, we, we, we get the sense that he knows it from his youth. Did he see it one time? I mean, Royal, you know, it's out there. He's been out there multiple times. Was that uh, Wayne's experience as well? Well, we don't know. You know, again, is it the knowledge of this that's kind of driving him? I don't want to throw out the word crazy, but kind of. Yeah, well, I mean, unbalanced. He's, yeah, right. Unbalanced is probably a good way to put it. Um, but, you know, from the first time we've seen Wayne, you know, he's, like we said, has seemed to have some kind of knowledge of what's going on beyond, certainly beyond what we know. But even as he's he's driving out there, when he's saying, you know, come on, mother effer, show me something. It's like he's not 100% sure of what he's going to find, you know. He's like, show me something. Yeah, it's just very difficult to, to again, to categorize Wayne's behavior uh, at all. We get a scene that I'm going to use to support my first crackpot theory. Okay, here we go. About Autumn and Amy when, when Perry and Autumn run into each other out in the woods. And, you know, he asks her if she knows anything about his Trevor's body. And, of course, she lies because she knows that. Uh, royal threw it in the hole i mean that's all she knows about that but then she asks to see a photo of rebecca which he produces so you know what knowledge does she have or think she has what is she remembering i mean i mean she she tells royal in an earlier episode that she couldn't remember anything before the age of nine but being out here is bringing back memory so does she want to see a photograph of her mother i mean that's the way i'm interpreting that i mean why else would she you know want to see that now she says well i've been around you know in case i saw her then i'll know who she is well okay but in the greater context it's a relatively small community so i think if if rebecca showed up somebody would say hey that's rebecca she must be back or whatever Uh but yeah so anyway, I'm I'm gonna use that to support okay. that, that earlier theory. I like um, it. And now you know we talked about you know, the strained relationship between Royal and Cecilia, and when she confronts him about how the body got there. Trust me, I wish I knew. And now we know he's telling the truth about that. There's a lot I can't explain. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, there is, but there's also a lot that you can mm-hmm. explain. You don't think it's important to clue in your wife whose family owns this land who took you in and raised you like a son we assume and you don't think she deserves at least that right well I, and fred mentions this too you know it's like yeah you absolutely and we've talked about before about his lack of communication with his wife i mean it's it's your wife dude you know like why he is shutting her out uh, so completely is I I just don't get it, you know. Yeah, and you wonder then does that coincide with maybe what happened between Perry and Rebecca? Did he shut her out? I mean, it doesn't seem like he'd be that kind of guy, but you know, he killed Trevor fairly easily, and and it doesn't seem to really bother him that much i mean again you, you, to go to go back to Macbeth. well it, it doesn't take Macbeth very long to start 
you know, feeling the guilt over Banquo's murder and everything else he's done. So, right, right. Um, I, I don't know, but uh, yeah. So we'll we'll see. Royal goes out to the spot where Trevor was found, digs up a rock. I, is this what you were mentioning earlier? Yeah, um, and, and then it's kind of like coal like or and then i thought back to when when he goes into the hole or or the first time when he reaches his hand in and we see that kind of black stuff on his hand and it it kind of moves and then just disappears right right yeah i forgot about that yeah yeah you know so yeah so uh, well you know i don't know what you know i'm not a, a geologist or anything um it looked kind of like maybe coal to me but he was able to like crumble it up right i think and then yeah, you know, Fred mentions it's some kind of, or you did. I can't remember what he said. It's like it's just evidence of of oil, right? Because again, then we, you know, the the those big, whatever those things were that looked like oil derricks when he went through the hole, um, is this, you know, and and is then is that the reason? As we were kind of asking before, is is there a supernatural reason Wayne wants to land? But it's also, does this hole leave big? oil reserves in this wake or something. I don't know. I'm just totally riffing here, but well, sure. I mean, we have to, especially given that scene we saw, you know, at the end of episode two, where granted they look like oil derricks or, you know, something that's extracting something from the ground. So talked about Maria and, and lying for Rhett and Sheriff joy brings both brothers in, puts them in separate rooms, classic, good move on the sheriff's part to to try to get to the truth. And, you know, fortunately Maria does the right thing, tells the truth. And, and, and again, her truth, I mean, she doesn't know who killed Trevor. She just believes this guy. And, And, you know, you could argue, and I guess this is what I was getting at before. It's like, okay, why would she risk everything to lie for this guy I mean, it's not that she just met him, but they've got a, a relationship that's a couple days old at most. Well, I, I think probably most people, when, I mean, this is like the reason why are Brett and Perry, why don't they lawyer up right away? Why do they answer Joy's questions? They definitely should not be answering any of those questions. You yeah. Know? But I think probably most people who get brought in for questioning think that they're going to be able to explain their way out of it. You know, they'll just say, Oh, I was with Maria. Oh, okay. Well, geez, I guess you're no longer a suspect then, huh? Probably quite often not the case. That's why so many people, when they get questioned by police, they, you know, try to talk their way out of it when, you know, innocent or guilty, you should probably just get a lawyer. Well, yeah, and eventually the lawyer does show up, and then you know we see all of them leaving. But it's funny you mention that because in the show that my wife and I are watching, The Adulterer, which is the the Dutch show, you know they they bring this one guy in for questioning, and and number one, he is intellectually challenged as the result of an accident, so that you know while he's capable i mean he can drive a car and all that but but you know he's a member of this sketchy family and they've got him in there with no lawyer there's two detectives questioning for days on end the the sketchy family has the sketchy family lawyer and you know my wife remarks it's like 
I can't believe they're allowed to do this. And I said, well, you know what Wayne and I always say? I guess that's what they do in Europe. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. But, but right. yeah, so it didn't take the lawyer that long to get there. And then Royal asks Rhett, what do I need to do? And Rhett says, turn back time. Now, Rhett doesn't know anything about the whole, but obviously we do. And then I go back to Scott's theory that we could possibly be dealing with a time loop. So, all right, turn back time. Let's run through it again and we'll maybe get a different result. So, you know, as we said, probably not a throwaway line. We don't know exactly what it means. Uh, Definitely not a throwaway line. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what what about the Tillerson mom? We see that helicopter coming in. It's like, okay. Yeah. She p- calling her a piece of work. I don't uh-huh. think it does her justice. Yeah. Um well, you know, it, and it's I, I like how they they introduced her because um you know how I I love they when um you know filmmakers communicate things through uh pictures rather than through dialogue and just you know, we see this woman come in. She's got a expensive coat on. She hugs the kid, the boy. So we're like, okay, this is their mom, right? We already know the whole relationship. Uh, she and Wayne divorced. She obviously got a very nice cash settlement from the divorce. And now she's returned because her son has, has died. And they communicate all that without any uh, use of... of um, of dialogue at all, which I thought was was really cool. But then again, to call her like, you know, and well, again, she feels entitled, right? Her her conversation with Joy is especially galling and uh, white privilegey. But on the other hand, just like when we you know judge the actions of like Luke, it might seem extreme, but he's worried about his brother, you know, or in this case, she wants to find out who killed her son. Right. So, you know, what mother wouldn't act like this. Right. And there is that connection. And, and, you know, again, to, to piggyback on you, you know, your idea about using pictures rather than dialogue, we see Luke standing off to the side and it's almost clear that he has, a very strained relationship with his yeah. mother. Yep. And while Billy, you know, he doesn't go right away and hug mom. It's clearly you know, maybe a, a little better than, than his brother Luke. So again, we don't know why or any of that, but, uh, but then when she's talking to Wayne, he says they're hot referring to the Abbots. They're hiding something always have. And apparently his desire to own the West pasture of the Abbots is not new. She calls it superstitious, uh, superstitious bullshit. Yeah. So, so we don't know what he's told her over the years, but clearly he opened up to her unlike Royal. Now, opening up to her, what did that lead to? Well, I guess a divorce and her relocation to Aspen. And, and again, we get the idea that she was never cut out to live on a ranch the way Cecilia was cut out. So we don't know her backstory. We don't know if the same thing, you know, we know Rebecca was really not cut out to live on a ranch and we don't know if that's why she left, but still, um, like you said, we've got this new character introduced. You mentioned that scene 
with the coroner. Yeah, again, absolutely, just just a perfect example of white privilege. And again, yeah. Sheriff George just like stands out to her. Yep, you can't be here. Get the hell out. Yeah. Um, well, just like you know, and I like Joy. Obviously, pretty much. Uh, you know, I think it sounds like you for me. One of my favorite characters of the show. One of the characters that is not one hundred percent not um, morally corrupted, but one hundred percent not not morally corrupted. You know, because um, you know, like again, like taking the belt buckle was a good example. She wasn't going to take the belt buckle from Luke until he kind of low key threatened her with the election. In this case, you know, Patricia tries the same thing, but Joy is just like, okay, well, no, like she, she shows Patricia, listen. You know, whatever you can do, what you will about the election, but you're not staying here. So, bye bye. And then Royal goes off to the county assessor and threatens him. I mean, on the one hand, it was a great scene. You, I might just have to show you a hole in the earth that you do not want to be acquainted with. And you know what's not in that hole? <laughs> Doritos. There are no Fritos in that <laughs> yeah, hole. Yeah, Fritos, right. Um, but, but again, it's just like, no pun intended, Royal just keeps digging his hole deeper with every move he makes. And it seems as if, again, I'm so glad because I didn't think about it at all. I'm so glad you brought up the connection to Macbeth because of course that's what happens with him. He just keeps digging his hole deeper and his, you know, family just comes apart at the seams. Um, (laughs) Billy singing Peter Gabriel at Trevor's funeral. Yeah. And then we're thinking like, what the hell is Patty doing when she opens the casket? But then we quickly realize, oh, it's just a tactic on her part to read the room. Yeah. Well, read the, the abbots. Uh, right. And she knows right away. It was yeah. Perry. Right. Right. Yeah. She's pretty good uh, study of, of human nature, I guess, or. Maybe she's watched a lot of Lie to Me. Do you remember that show, Tim Roth? I, I do, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, after that show, everyone thought that they could uh, you know, read uh, micro reactions or whatever that, uh, and, and uh, get people to confess. But, uh, but, but yeah, the, you know, I, it's uh, Joy's wife, I believe, that says it's ballsy for the Abbots to show up. But why would you they? not? Right? right. Yeah. Because if they were innocent, which they are you know, alleging that they are, that they're not, but they're alleging they are, well, of course that they would be there. They're not showing up would certainly be an admission of their guilt, right? Yeah. I mean, Joy says, thanks for calling in the, the, the body. He's like, well, why wouldn't I? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, because you tried to get rid of it. Yep. This is why you wouldn't. <laughs> now, again, one of those lines that again we know it's not a throwaway Rhett asks joy at the wake you ever wonder if the world's not what you think it is right no law no order just chaos okay yeah on the one hand randomly vague but uh but still whether she thinks that i mean you get the idea that she thinks all of the calls about the disappearing mountain are sort of like that you know, she she mentions to Royal at one point. Do you remember all those UFO calls up in Montana? Right. Like, no, I don't remember that. Now, on the one hand, I 
believe he's maybe so caught up in running the ranch on a day-to-day basis we don't get the idea he spends a lot of time reading cnn or going on the internet but yeah right so okay so i believe him uh but there you know we 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 mentioned it briefly at the beginning the wake after i guess that's what you call it or you know where where all the people are back at this bar Uh after the funeral and Royal finds Autumn in the back room playing cards. And, and again, she's won all their money. But every it, we talk about being in the dark. It's like this completely dark room, except the two characters are illuminated. Right. And it's they're just going to play. She's already, you know, got a boatload of money. And apparently she doesn't need money. You know, we get the idea from earlier in the series that that she's got plenty of money. Well, didn't she say she'd offer like nine million for the? Well, she didn't say. I don't think she said that, but she was. She clearly had a figure in mind. I feel like that number got thrown out. I can't remember whether he did or she did or something. But. Well, she throws out what you know. So uh, you think about selling it. What's it worth? Five million, six million. Okay. And he, and he says you sound like you got the money on you. Well, maybe I do. Right. Right. Okay. And so we get the idea. Good memory there, she, Dave. Yeah, she mentions uh, having a trust fund or something uh-huh. like that. But but they're going to play cards, and he's like, well, show me your feet. I'm like, okay, what? <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, well, and then when he says it's a custom to make sure we're not playing with the devil, I'm like, Okay, so now they ought to have crossroads playing yeah. in in the background, but but no, they don't. You know, they well, don't take advantage of well, that. Well, the funny thing is, we are we get a feeling that the devil is playing cards here, but it's not autumn, right? Yeah, you know? and then she tells the onlookers, "Our oh, royal's mad because I pushed him into a hole." Ain't that some schoolyard shit? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she. You know, I love her character. I mean, you know, I mean, I love. Sheriff Joy. I mean, those are probably my two favorite characters in, in yeah. the series. Autumn really freaked me out at first, but I mean, this scene, that line particularly, that was, I love that line. That was great. Yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, I know your truth and I'm not afraid to throw it out there. And he's probably thinking, well, what the hell is she going to say next? I know you threw a body in the, uh, uh-huh. well, she doesn't, of course. But then there's that knocking on the wall and it's the buffalo is that real or is that what one or both of them is imagining? I'm still not sure. Um, yeah. Cause that's, that's such a, you know, yeah. Like they're playing cards. Well, I think it's real. Okay. Right. I think so the Buffalo is just head butting the wall. Yeah. Like the, the whole thing with the Buffalo is, you you would think at this point in time we'd have a more solid theory of what the deal is with the buffalo, uh, but certainly the buffalo is we is tied to the hole, which is tied to Autumn and uh, Royal, and also to to Wayne. Though notable that the buffalo, in Wayne's perspective, is is dead and a uh, you know a a head on this wall. Well, you know, I think, as I think I said earlier, with the two arrows, I still get the sense that we're meant to think that, you know, this this buffalo came from a different time. So, uh, you know, I don't know whether that's the case or not. I mean, the, the buffalo that Wayne has on his wall, is, is that related to his experience with the hole? Is it many the same years? buffalo? 
Oh, right. I like it. Yeah. So maybe here's the theory. All of this is the Buffalo trying to engineer events so it doesn't get its head cut off. Right. Okay. I like it. Wow. (laughs) Nice. Well, they went from playing for $20 to some pretty damn high stakes. He wants her necklace. Uh, he's willing to put up the West pasture. I mean, I think we're, we're, we're looking at that scene. It's like, what the hell is going on here? Why is he willing to risk the West pasture in a car? I mean, is is like he going to lose and you say, no, nah, just kidding. But he wins. But we know he cheated because we saw his hand. Yeah. And then, of course, we get the, the verification when he's out in his truck. But Right, which, which is crazy because – I mean, if when I watched it the first time, I didn't stop. So you know, and they didn't. I, like my brain wasn't quick enough to to process the um, the hands that they had going. But if you stop and freeze it and look, you see, you know, he's losing. She's got a flush. He just has two pair after right. they draw the the one card. So. When he ups the ante like that, he's sitting on two pair, which is not a good hand. Uh, certainly not one to bet, you know, millions of dollars worth of, of field on. But then, of course, we see when he puts his cards down that he suddenly has a full house. We realize he's cheated, and that's why he was so confident with making his bet because you know he had a not an ace in the hole, but a king in the hole. Right. Now, we don't know the significance of the necklace, though we certainly get a sense that it's tied to what's going on here, you know, in the town. And then that that last scene where Wayne knocks over a glass of Clamato, which just seems to me to be disgusting. That looks gross. I did. I, I had to look up to see what it was that he was drinking. I looked up. I'm like, Oh, yeah. I mean, no. Anyway. That is disgusting. But I mean, tomato juice by itself, I am not a big fan of. But tomato juice and clam juice, like, yeah, no, no. Who came up with that idea and then decided, I'm going to sell this to people? Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Well, apparently, though, it activates whatever's inside the rock, right? Because then, you know, we, we see that it spills next to the rock and he looks at it and then all of a sudden we see all the bugs or whatever they are moving. Right. And the Clamato is kind of like bubbling too, right? Right. So I, I get, I mean, is that, is there some backstory history of, of uh, Wayne and the hole and the rock and Clamato? I mean, I can't yeah. imagine, but um <laughs> And, you know, so he gets out of bed, gets in his truck. He drives out to the West Pasture, screaming like a nut, stops short of the hole, stares into the abyss, then Royal attacks him and knocks him out. And, and again, we've had this many discussion many times. Uh, okay, fine, you knocked him out, and then you turn your back. Well, you got what you deserve. Classic Prince Oberon. My gosh. If so, he'd only watched Game of Thrones, he would yeah. have known what a huge mistake he's making. Now, were you surprised that Wayne doesn't shove him into the hole? Yes, I was. So I don't know what to make of that. I don't know whether Wayne is making a connection now between Trevor's disappearance, the appearance of his body, which, you know, again, we have to assume he knows that the coroner's report said he's only been dead 10 hours when 
seems to be eight days, although he could be have he could have been missing for you know eight days and just killed recently. But right, um, but uh, you know we really don't know. So yeah, surprised that he just knocks him out and and it's like okay now we both know about the hole in your west pasture. And it's like he drives off. We assume self satisfied that that yeah you know, he's I'm like back in control. And hollering right. Like, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, is he back in control? Um, you know, I guess we shall see. Um, well, now, my question, is Royal dead? Well, that's a good point. Because we know his death is imminent, right? Right. Uh, and is this it? Because, yeah. you know, I mean, potentially. Yeah. I yeah. doubt it because, I mean, you know, Josh Brolin, you don't bring well, him on well, yeah, for just half with, a season, right? Right. I mean, he hits him with a rock, right? I mean, he doesn't. Yeah, but I mean, he could hit him like really, really hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Stranger uh, things have happened in TV, Dave. Yes, they have. Yes, they but, have. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I don't really think that, that he's he's dead. But um, just, you know, like I said, for n- nothing else that you don't you know bring on an actor like the, of Josh Brolin's capacity and renown uh, just for, for four episodes but yeah it's it's just more wayne weirdness right like yeah why didn't he throw his body in there um why is he so happy about everything as he drives away you know just i don't know well i think it probably verifies you know you know this superstitious bullshit that he's been spouting out to at least his wife we don't know how much he tells his sons but you know it 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 certainly verifies what he's been saying all this time now again what's going to happen next is is you know the million dollar question anyone's guess yep so what else well when uh royal is talking to joy in the bar yeah i don't i don't know like the necessarily the the significance of this, but he just spouts off like a bunch of cliches. Like he's like, have you found what you, you know, you were looking for? She's like, no, he's like, well, retrace your steps. Cliche number one. And they says, it's a crazy world. Strange times. Cliche number two, actually two and three, maybe you could say there's two in there. They says, what can you do? Cliche number four. You know? So, you know, I, I think it is significant that he, he does this with these, these trite sayings, you know, as why do these things exist? Why do we have these types of things in the language? Because they're easy. They're facile, right? They don't require thought. They don't demonstrate emotion or anything. They're just something you can say, like take up air or whatever. So, you know, I just kind of saw that, Uh, you know, like I thought that was something interesting. Yeah. I mean, it just goes in with what we've said about his character, all along so yeah yeah yeah, there's a certain level of arrogance i think behind that yes and well and like you know joy's wife is you know talks about how ballsy is for them to show up and joy says either that or royal abbott is a damn good con man and it's like well you're actually right (laughs) uh joy he is a damn good con man because we see that a couple times you know like of of him you know, again, hiding behind that that stoic veneer of his, all all the stuff he's he's got behind that. That might be it. Well, the Juice Newton, 
I like that Billy singing Angel in the Morning. Oh, yeah. Which I knew you love that because Luke turned around and was like, Billy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah, Dave loved that. Because it's just like how many people just wanted to say, Billy, stop singing. And uh, Luke has finally had it and yep. everything. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that might be about it that I got. Well, let's get to some listener feedback. And we'll go ahead and start with Fred this week. And we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Outer Range Season 1, Episode 4. Okay, recording five days earlier than usual, but fortunately Dave gave me a heads up that they would reschedule so I can give my audio feedback here. Had to watch the episode a little earlier, but that's okay. When Cecilia gave Royal this big rant about what she all did the last 20 years to save the family, to help him, etc. I thought he would crumble and change his attitude, but he didn't. That was actually quite a disappointment. So I get a big question how their relationship really is. Is she the one that always swallows, but on the other hand is also the one that keeps this family together? I think that Joy is a very good police woman and a very tactical woman as well. She knows her people in this town and how she should address them. The only one I wonder how she will interact with is this Patricia, so Wayne's wife or ex-wife. That's quite a woman. She will give us quite some excitement, I think. I love it when she says, you know what, this is how it's going to work. I'm going to arrange the funeral and then I'm going to find out who murdered my son. And then I'm going to make sure that Luke saves this ranch while you slowly lose your mind and die. What's up with these stones? Is it just oil or something like that that is in it? Is it proof for oil or... Well, Wayne sees something move in them when he spills his drink on it. Uh, The void is obviously or has been there before because in the very beginning of the episode we see young Wayne and at his feet we see the void. Was it always there? I don't think so. So it appeared or reappeared. I didn't understand fully this fight between Wayne and Royal at this void. I really expected that one would fall in or being pushed in by the other or even jumped in voluntarily by himself, but that didn't happen. Why does Royal value this stone that Autumn has so much? I don't think he even knows what it means or what it could mean, and still he wants it. What I found a kind of nitpick is when Sheriff Joyce is going to the Tennyson's house to tell that Trevor Tillerson is dead, that she comes in her police car and she has the flashing lights of the police car on. What is that? So only the flashlights, not the siren, and you're going to drive up to a house to tell that the son of the house died, and why this? Okay, that will be all for this time. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. 
All right. So uh, what strikes you about Fred's feedback? Yeah. You know, I, I, there's a lot of things that we talked about um, that uh, especially the, the one thing talking about the relationship between uh, Royal and Cecilia and, you know, yeah. Like why would he not let her in? Right. Why, why is he still shutting her out? Um, she mentions this is different than the other 20 years of silence or something like that, or silence I put up for, for 20 years. So it's just like, wow. So this is, this is not really anything new here that, uh, that this is definitely not any kind of ideal relationship. Like we kind of thought it was in the beginning of, of this series. So yeah, very disappointing. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, like, I agree with you. That line from Patricia is great. But at the end, you left off the last part where he says, it's good to have a list. You know, that was kind of a funny line at the end when she lists all the things she's going to do and everything. So, like, she's, uh, you know, making up her to-do list for grocery shopping or something like that. So, and, and uh, Fred, probably when describing his, uh, uh, the relationship uh, between Cecilia and um, Royal as St. Cecilia is the one who swallows. I don't, I don't know if that's the direction you want to go with that particular. <laughs> there, uh, uh, there's uh, some connotations there that maybe you weren't uh, intending. So, nope, Not going there. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, thank you again, Fred. Okay. Good feedback. Yeah. The, the one thing I was going to mention about something Fred says, you know, I understand not needing the siren, you know, when, when uh, they drive up, but... The flashing lights didn't really seem necessary either. I mean, I, I get that that's probably to indicate we're making a serious official call here. But again, these it's a small town, right. you know, so I get it was probably just for dramatic effect. And, Definitely for yeah, dramatic yeah, visual effect, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. so. Um, all right, well, Scott checked in again with uh, some uh, – thoughts on this episode and he says the scene with the deputy or soon to be sheriff hawk at the start of the episode lets us know that she's a woman of action i'm talking about when she broke that guy's arm in the convenience store i'm sure this let's see action mentality is going to come back wayne tillerson wants to offer royal a million dollars for his land which seems odd when it could be his if he gives it time tillerson has money he doesn't have time. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. Don't know if he knows about the void, but he knows there is something going on with the land. Now, now, uh, to be fair, Scott's an episode behind, so right. he's, he's only commenting on uh, episode three. Uh, I'm guessing he believes it could somehow restore his health or allow him to go back in time. Does he have a Biff Tannen from Back to the Future <laughs> thing going on? Is he rich because his future self has helped out his past self? Be on the lookout for a sports almanac, right? Which, yeah. you know, would imply being able to bet on the Super Bowl each year right. or the World which Series. Is, which is how Biff acquires his riches in Back to the Future Part 2. Yep. I love the scene where Deputy Hawk talks to the guy from the Chamber of Commerce and he tells her about prehistoric creatures showing up in the area and asks her what she's going to do about that. Mm. And his tone was as serious as if he'd outlined a drug business emerging in the town. The music choices are interesting. I keep thinking there's got to be some meaning in the song choices, especially songs Billy sings, Whitney Houston, I Have Nothing, Fleetwood Mac, Dreams. 
The other one that stood out to me was Super Tramp's Goodbye Stranger playing in episode two when Deputy Hawk was driving around town. And based on episode three, I'm thinking time is linear. The void allows people to travel forward and backward. There does not seem to be any method to the madness when it comes to where in time someone or something travels. Or maybe there is. It just needs to be figured out. Physics to the rescue. (laughs) Here's my wild ass theory of the week. You know how Dawn of the Dead was about zombies? But it was really about consumerism. I'm wondering if Outer Range is about the void and time travel, but is really about the decline of the American farmer. Okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, great stuff, Scott. Um, Hopefully you've seen episode four by now. Some of your your questions will be answered. But, you know, I think as Scott has pointed out in his feedback, the, the, the fact that we really don't know how time is affected with the void. I mean, we know it's affected. We just don't know how. I mean, you mentioned that, well, maybe Royal's actually dead and, and you know, because we know he dies in, in two years, but, or, or he's been dead for he's two years in the future, years, right. right? So is this it? Is this when he dies? Right. And like you said, okay, they're not going to kill off Josh Brolin, but, you know, maybe they do accept the actor then, you know, is in episodes which forward in time, backward in time, alternate universe. I mean, you know, but, uh, well, I I like, I really like, um, you know, Scott's, I mean, besides the, the time theory, I like this idea of what's like the, the larger meaning that's at work here with outer range. And, and certainly it's not just, you know, it's, I mean, when we, taught sci-fi in school, right? It was the one thing, like science fiction is representative of, of society at the time. It's making statements, right, about uh, social statements often. What is the statement? Is it the decline of, you know, small town America or just the, I, you know, I think part of it is just like dark, just a comment on how, not just in small towns, but just everywhere, how the 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 lies we tell, the secrets we keep, you know, the 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 stories that are underneath the surface of what we present on the outside, and every day, I think is a big part of this. Yeah, and I know you hated the Dawn of the Dead illusion. <laughs> I will take a zombie movie illusion any day of the week. I loved it. <laughs> all right, um, all right, Fred, Scott, thank you so much for checking in with. You know, your thoughts on, on the episode. What are you going to go for a grade? Uh, I'm thinking I'm going B plus on this one. Okay. You know, I wanted to go A minus. I thought, well, it was a really good episode. There was a lot revealed here. And I'm thinking, like, maybe it's Wayne's influence. I was going to go B plus as well. So okay, maybe we'll stick with uh, our, our first thoughts on that one. But uh All right. You want to leave it there? Sure. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. That will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatched. Love to hear what you think about Outer Range, something going on in your genre TV world. If you want to reach us, Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can do that. Website, if you want to go back and check our back catalog, Sci-Fi TV Rewatch.podbean.com. We'll be back next week to talk about episode five of the Amazon Prime video series Outer Range. But until then, 
you know, with all these episodes that, that we put out, Dave, all I can think is, holy shit, we made it, we stuck together because we had to.